0: only on PBS.
3: My name is Dave Hanredy and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode seventy-one of the No Encore Music Podcast, the best podcast in town, the podcast that's going live once again. Everybody, Woo!
0: Yeah. Woo! that's right. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come yeah. on. Even less encore. Yes. Yeah, Don't call it like an that. encore. Don't call it an
3: encore. <laughs> <laughs> what am I talking about, Craig and Cullum?
1: We are part of uh, the Dublin Podcast Festival, which is first ever. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh, obviously, it's a head stuff, baby. Uh, here, uh, along with Aiken Promotions, and we
3: are going to be taking to the stage once again, but switching venue this time. That's correct. We rocked The Workman's to its very core last time, and Mm -hmm. now we're back. We're hitting Whelan's on Wexford Street, famous venue, about to get even more famous, (laughs) infamous if you will, on Thursday, September 28th, write that down, that's Thursday, September the 28th, no Encore Live 2, call it the sequel, call it the return, call it whatever you want. The point is, we are back yeah. and we have a lineup. I was about to say we're bringing friends, Craig.
4: Yeah, we're bring, bringing friends and one gutless and craven person. That's true. That's <laughs> um, true. Live bringing, performances on the night from yeah, from friend of the show Dahi. Uh Elaine May, another friend of the show, and the wonderful Overhead the Albatross will be playing. Fabulous. Um, Delighted continue.
3: to get all the three acts. I think they're all excellent. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what they can do. Uh we go way back with Overhead the Albatross Craig. As a matter of fact, you saw them many years
4: ago. I saw them in The Workman's, which we blew the roof off and now we can't play it anymore. Um, Sabian style, <laughs> yes, yes. Very much so. There is no and roof there. I thought these are a very good band. It was one of those um like all weekend kind of new bands playing. That you have to go to when you work for Hopper and mm-hmm. you're standing there alone mm-hmm. in a sphere. And they were a highlight, so of a very boring weekend. And
3: they have grown and grown and grown and yeah, they have, really have developed into one of the best bands in the country learning to grow the debut album that came out last year was choice prize nominated they really are an incredible live proposition and if you've never seen phenomenal. them they're genuinely worth coming to just for them but dahi and elaine may are also phenomenal i'm very very excited about this i think it's going to be a special night so that's thursday september the 28th as part of the first ever dublin podcast festival no encore live 2. tickets go on sale monday uh if you listen to this After Friday when we release it, they're on sale now. So get involved. It's gonna be awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: What else do we have new from this week? Well, Dave has been reviewing
3: the performance of one Harold Styles.
0: That's correct. Now you
3: you might recall that when Harry Styles released his self-titled debut record, I didn't I wasn't very impressed and I didn't give it a lot of love on this very podcast. So he has shown up in Christopher Nolan's War Epic Dunkirk. And Christopher Nolan's director I've got lots of issues with, as mm. you may or yeah. may not know. <laughs> Grievances. So Harry Styles shows up in this movie. He's got a fairly prominent role. As a matter of fact, Christopher Nolan claims that he did not know how famous he was when he cast Yeah, him, I heard that. Which I find interesting. What? Yeah, that's right. He said that, yeah. He had no idea. Okay. Seems now, Styles fits in in terms of the aesthetic, because he's clearly casting young British men who are kind of <laughs> angular-looking, good-looking lads, and I guess to try and show you that, you know, hey, look, it was Greatest just Greatest generation. Yeah. just kids over there, man. So... What did I think of Harry Styles' performance in Dunkirk? What do you think I thought of Harry Styles? I'd say meh. I'd say you thought he was good. I thought he was very good. There you go. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he did a really good job. How, so how much of a part does he have? Does he really has the most dialogue in the film.
1: Really? I think yeah. Okay, this is not. A I mean, like, we were discussing this a couple of months ago, and I just said like, I mean, like, I reckon he gets ten minutes of screen time, and then three or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
3: mean, like, no spoilers. I'm not going to say what happens to him. But what I will say is. <laughs> He probably has the lion's share of the dialogue, but it's not a dialogue-heavy film. As a matter of fact, the sound design is one of the reasons to go and see this film. I thought it was very good. War is loud. Well, I, I saw it in it's the IFI. This is the thing. Yeah. I saw it in the IFI in 70mm, and I was at the back, sitting down the back all cool, as I like to do. And Throwing popcorn so at everything <laughs> in front of you. So it starts, right? And first scene, guys walking around the street, and next thing you know, there's a, the sound of a gunshot. And people fucking jumped, man. It is so loud. It's so loud. It's, it's more It's more like a horror film, really, than, than a horror know. film. Uh, it's got its problems. It's usual Christopher Nolan problems. He's not good with characters or dialogue or human beings because he never was and never will be. But as a spectacle and in scale and as a sensory experience... Very impressed. Although I will say this, Hans Zimmer, let some fucking scenes breathe, please. Do you have beef with Hans Zimmer? Again? I do again. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I don't need when Kenneth Branagh is walking down a beach to hear. I mean, it. Kenneth Branagh. That's on
4: a beach isn't just the same <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's
3: shoes make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're very impressive. No, no, uh, Harry Styles. To be to be fair to the lad, uh, perfectly good job. He has presence. Now I wonder if he has presence because he's Harry Styles. Sure, but yeah, he fit in perfectly. And I mean, like, is it is
1: it a case then of give up the day job?
3: Uh, maybe. I mm. mean, like, you know, like, like, why not? I mean, like, like, for example, I mean, to use kind of a, an example, which is maybe not the fairest one because this guy has a, doesn't have a music background, but like Robert Pattinson from the Twilight films, mm. people gave him a lot of hell for a long time. He's developed into an excellent actor and he's picked really, really interesting mm. roles. I like when
4: Keith Duffy joined Coronation Street. Same thing. Same
3: thing. Yeah, and like you know, we we long for Keith Duffy to team up with David Lynch. Maybe he'll turn up in Twin Peaks. (laughs) There's our Twin Peaks reference leak. But no, no, uh, good good job, Harry Styles. He 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 nailed it, man.
1: Excellent. Uh, (laughs) In keeping with the sort of theme of you know, like going back to what we've been discussing before, a little bit of housekeeping. uh, Our Sonic Architect. Sonic Architect.
3: (laughs) <laughs> very. two pairs of headphones already on by the way she's ha- rocking two pairs of headphones two pairs same, of headphones but one over the top yeah. of the other one or? around her neck and one around the top of the head I was very impressed can you hear through the side of your neck
1: it or? was
5: necessary <laughs> it was necessary fair okay. enough what are we doing? So top 10?
3: F- yeah,
1: exactly. Following on from our top 10s. now time for your yeah. favorite songs of
4: ha- all time. Having had to do this, do you now realize what a ridiculous concept it is and how tough it is, right? Yeah, I yeah. have a few disclaimers, right? Okay, Again, yeah.
5: like I mentioned earlier, I had 23 songs on this list about an hour ago. So, I mean, if that's anything to go by, this could be interesting. Um, yeah, it's a bloody a nightmare. <laughs> I, was, I was awake at three o'clock this morning. Like, <laughs> Sorry. What, um, I was like, what will I take off the list? Or what will I add to the list? Like three o'clock. Wow! I know. I mean, I did that to myself. I apologize. Thanks, <laughs> A- you girl. Thanks, you yeah. girl. Okay, we got started. Go. Yeah. Right. Uh, unlike all of you guys, there's absolutely no logic to this. Okay. Okay. So it was logic. it. Yeah. So, <laughs> first one: uh, "Winner Takes It All" by ABBA. Okay. okay, strong, strong. Not too sure about your opinions on ABBA, but I feel like it's it's a very strong song. It's one of my favorites. ABBA again. are amazing. Yeah, they're great.
4: I love yeah. Like yeah. They're better than Fawn. Oh, sorry. Oh, let's man. not get into it. Okay. Continue. <laughs> well, I've got
1: Swedish in laws to keep on the side as well, so you know. Yeah, let's you go, mean, ABBA. Mar- You're, not <laughs> You're not married. You're not
5: married. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next one. Song of like my generation. Uh, we're gonna go with a bit of Avril Lavigne, Complicated. Oh,
0: okay.
5: I know, I, I know. I'm sorry, that was probably a heavy blow for all of you. Um, <laughs> Let Go was probably one of the first albums I bought, and okay. um, played it in our car constantly. I whenever we all had like Walkmans, that was the one that I listened to. Can constantly. I ask you a
3: question? Is yeah. I'm with you on that one. It is. That's yes. a great song.
5: It's that's a it's a phenomenal album. Like my my sister was four at the time, and she can still sing all the songs because she just has it like on. She's grown up now and on she
3: can uh, like, en- enunciate. Yeah,
5: she, she can now speak. Yeah, she, you, she now has words. Do you make her do it
1: as like kind of a performance thing when you have Get visitors and sing, there? Get yeah, <laughs> Like Craig playing Knights of White oh. and White Saffron. Oh,
5: just let it go. I'm, not, I'm never let that go. Garland, you know, and like meet me in St. Louis, all the kids coming out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one is a very, uh, a band very dear to my heart is Muse with City of Delusion. From Black Holes and Revelations okay. again, one of one of my favorite albums. I have a big soft spot for Muse. Um, that's there's like a part in that song as well that I will d- always distinctly remember, like rewinding and like just playing it back and back and like rocking my head to it. I don't know what year came out two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand four. I think. That was a while. Oh, like, oh no, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was of,
3: I was thinking of absolution.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah, yeah.
5: yeah it was 2006. 2006. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one, uh, following suit from uh, "Ode to Yeas" yeah by a few guys. Uh, Zero. Okay. From Great song. Great song. Great song. Um that's a song I actually put on to make myself walk faster if I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> um, <it's laughs> you're incapable of walking faster. No, no, I Can faster. hear that. Fun, fun. Yeah. It's a fantastic song. I it's love that It's a good running song. song yeah. Um, one that I didn't include, which I should have, was sacrilege. And it's a song. I bloody love that song oh. um, Next one Scissor Sisters Take Your Mama I like okay. it I
4: Yeah like it. It. A little bit job. of
5: like A random song To throw in there But it's it's like If that comes on You'd like just let it take yeah, you. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great song. Like
4: it's a pick me up, which I don't think yeah. we really had in our. Our's were very no, dark. could have had heaven knows a, a miserable night by the Smiths. <laughs> <Yeah. so.
3: laughs>
5: <laughs> this is quite an up an upbeat one, cool. which is I feel like it's like top ten songs of today. And mm-hmm. tomorrow it'll be different, probably. Yeah. Um, next one is Prince with Raspberry Beret. Oh, oh sure,
3: cannot go wrong. Yeah, like.
5: yeah, exactly, fantastic song. Next one, the Mamas and the Papas, with Dream "A Dream Little Dream of Me."
3: okay Yeah. Okay. did you think it was going to be California
4: Dreamin
5: no
3: no is it yeah I know I know what who's the one from Groundhog Day that freaked you out is that them
4: <laughs> no that's Cher that's, oh. uh, that was a, that's <laughs> <like> Sonny Bono <laughs> and Cher yeah. Craig thought he I genuinely I got you babe yeah. like, you
3: know Groundhog Day the film yeah, which yeah, has yeah. Uh, what song uh, uh, yeah, I, got I, you, I got you babe, babe. Yeah. that happened to Craig once and you thought you were
4: genuinely in Groundhog Day where every morning he wakes up and that song is playing and yeah. he knows it's the same day I woke up one morning to the radio playing that song and I was like what, <laughs> <laughs> what? you're not supposed to wake up to this song I I'd really like that to be. Because no, I love no, that no. film. I love the song and I love the film, but just not in that context. I once,
1: I, once I had a friend who would never Google something. Uh, like you know, if you told him or if he didn't know what something was about, he'd never Google it himself. He'd just ask around until someone explained it. So I uh, once, like to, Jeeves. So, <laughs> yeah. So from February the second onwards, I would just post the same quotes from Groundhog Day on his Facebook wall every day, um, until he called me up and it. it took a about a week mention. and a half because he wouldn't Google it. <laughs>
0: (laughs) okay
5: uh, next one is I Love To Boogie Mark Bolin and T-Rex again very upbeat for some reason I was obviously in a great (laughs) mood at 3 o'clock this morning (laughs) (laughs) Um, next one is Kanye West All Of The Lights
4: love that one Um, with the intro yeah with the
5: yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. That that's be. what I didn't know they put in like what, is it, what do you call them like an interlude, interlude or something yeah, I guess. yeah where they put in all the lights interlude yeah. no, Craig has lights. long
3: argued that it's like, it's like for me it's like Kill Bill 1 Kill Bill 2 that they're one film for Craig it's, yeah. one, it's one song oh yeah, yeah no absolutely
5: yeah. yeah I don't know why they put that break in between um, Streetlights again like you mentioned should have been Street put lights in there so but good. I decided to stray from it a little bit all right. um, and the last one is Sarah by Fleetwood Mac
4: Great song.
3: Very good. Yeah. Okay. A bit of a yeah, yeah. max. This is a strong list. I love it. it okay.
5: Is. There we go. Nice and upbeat. Awesome. Keep you fresh. Keep I think funky.
3: what we should do is we should combine all four into one Spotify play playlist. And I'll put it out on the No Encore Twitter account. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Sounds like a plan. For next Woo. week sometime, probably. All right. Awesome. Very good. Good job, Beef. Round of applause. Yeah. Good work. Cool. That was good. That was good. I liked it a lot. All right.
1: Uh, let's quickly move on to the news uh, from this week, uh, which includes. Yeah, a f- frighteningly frequent subject, frankly, uh, that we're discussing, which is Justin Bieber just being harassed um, to the point now that he's actually
3: cut his tour short, basically, with 14 um, dates to go. And this, the Purpose World Tour, has been running for quite some time. 18 months. Yeah, it feels like I saw. I, I, I went to the, le- the Irish leg of this there, or the second Irish leg of it, really. Yeah, I was about to say. and you know, I've reported on the show already and how he was quite apathetic and he had his hands in his pockets. He you looked know, he didn't want to be there. Ultimately, I still think he put in a decent shift, but yeah. it was very clear, and it's been very clear for a long time now, that this guy needs a break. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think, if I remember correctly, he, he had his hands in his pockets and left stage
1: early when he played in Oslo, like, about two months in the eight, into the 18-month tour. So I'm not sure if that was actually illustrative of anything in particular. But, yeah, dude needs a break. Um question is, do you think this is actually going to affect things in the long run to the point where people will say, you know, oh, well, let's schedule shorter tours now. Because, frankly, you get the feeling that
3: the second he's back fighting fit, could well right be back on that treadmill He's again, such a... Think. Yeah, you say treadmill, I was going to say conveyor belt. He's such a commodity. And acts of this nature really are. And they, there are massive undertakings with these tours, massive commitments, like so many masters to serve and bottom lines to meet. And therefore... He kind of probably can't wrestle away from this, and I, I would imagine, I don't know, I'm just purely speculating here, but I, I gotta think that he tried to throw in the tell at least once before now, and was convinced to stay on. Again, I'm just completely like hypothesizing here. But, like, with 14 dates to go, I I think it's fair. Some people have complained about this and kind of noted that, like, it's actually really unfair and, like, you know, think of the crew and all that kind of stuff. But, like, ultimately, I feel like if you're a crew member on this tour, you probably know what you're getting in for. You're probably going to be compensated. You're a freelancer anyway, I would imagine you have another tour to go to. I think he's done the right thing here, and I think he, he, he should take a long break. I mean, I read an interview that he did with GQ magazine about a year and a half ago at this stage in which he just came across, like, you know, a slightly immature... Uh, clearly very exhausted 21, 22-year-old. And, I mean, like, it's a fascinating interview to read because some of it is funny and some of it is wistful and some of it is, like, Jesus Christ. And, like, you know, think about where we were at that age and we didn't have this massive Herculean, like, presence. And this is a guy who can never have a private day.
4: Yeah, and, like, just the kind of machinations of such a humongous tour. I mean, in an industry where the records aren't selling like they were, everything is about the live show. And when you're committed to this absolute like monster of a thing for such a long period of your life it must be like it must just like be hanging over you constantly And even like the language he's been using when he's talking about like kind of apologising for cancelling the shows he's saying I'm sorry for anyone who feels disappointed or betrayed it's not in my heart or anything it's just like very heavy language and he understands how serious the fans take him Mm. and his every kind of minuscule action so um, but there's been actually a nice tweet from John Mayer who kind of said when someone pulls remaining dates of a tour it means they would have done real damage to themselves if they kept going we've lost so many great artists lately I give Justin a thumbs up for realising it was time to call it you should too So, yeah, fair comment. Just on a lighter note as well, he's been banned from China. A lighter note. The
1: (laughs) the highlight of which seemed to have been because I missed this the first time around him being carried up the Great Wall by his bodyguard. How did you miss this? It's remarkable. I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how. But yeah, it's incredible.
4: I know. China have come out and said that, like, they're doing this in order to maintain order in the Chinese market and purify the Chinese performance environment. Uh, we hope that as Justin Bieber matures, he can continue to improve his own words and actions and truly become a singer beloved by the public. Yeah, so, it's not yeah, right so he's like badly behaved. But you know, in fairness, he's not illegally occupying Tibet, so he's one <laughs> up on the Chinese. <laughs> right well, not yet. Not anyway, not yet. I mean, he's taking this time off. Who knows what he's going to get up to?
1: What else have we got? Uh, it's not the big one, but uh, the nominations for the Mercuries are in.
3: Um, I haven't seen them yet, so let's do it. Okay. Oh, have you not seen them? I've this? seen a couple of them. I know one name which has caused uproar and Rather. outrage. So yeah. lay it on me, Cullum.
1: Alrighty, uh, In alphabetical order, we are going all J and Relaxer. Uh, the Big Moon, Love in the Fourth Dimension. Blossoms, self-titled album. Uh, Loyal Carner, Yesterday's Gone. Dinosaur, Together is One. Glass Animals, How to Be a Human Being. Jay Hughes, Common Sense. Sam for Process, Ed Sheeran Divide, Stormzy Gang Signs and Prayer, Kate Tempest Let Them Eat Chaos and the XX with ICU.
3: That's a Mercury list if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I mean, so Mercury. it
1: does have, yeah, the, the typical Mercury sort of seal of approval for somebody like Kate Tempest, which you feel is going to be the sort of critic's darling that always has a shot uh, in a competition like this. Uh, Stormzy, uh, looking to follow in the footsteps of Skepta from last year. Mm. And,
3: yeah, of course, Ed Sheeran. Okay, before we get to Ed Sheeran, can I just say, like, looking at this list now,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: I've seen some people kind of, like, today be like, oh, I haven't heard of half of these names. This, to me, looks like a very Mercury list. Like, like, there's nothing here that really shocks me, apart from maybe Ed Sheeran, but we'll get to that in a second. I was watching, I was flicking through, like, you know, a music channel today, a pop music channel, right? Pop music. And I found myself going, I don't know who any of these people are. Oh, God, <laughs> like yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And, like, not only that, but like, the only name that I recognised when it came up on the screen was L.A. Air. Uh, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's his name. <laughs> no, I mean, it's- <laughs> remember why. As well. Uh, well, that's not disgusting. Oh, no, L-A-R. no, no. no, no, no. Should we? Can we tell it? Do you want to? I want to tell it. No, oh no no no! No. I, I'm, I'm, no, I have to. I have to. I'm going to tell this. I'm going to tell the. I'm going to tell the story. Okay, so Ella Eyre, who is a singer who sang, broke through rudimental. Was it? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, right. So she was interviewed by a publication that the three of us may or may not be familiar with, and during during the interview, during the interview, during the interview, yeah. the interviewer asked her a question. It mentions that her name originally is Ella McMahon. McMahon. yeah, and said, you know, typical, like you know, like uh, it was your, hey, is there any anything Irish about that? And then Ella's response was, no, it's actually a very sad story. Uh, my ancestors were slaves, and McMahon was the name of like the plantation owner or whatever. So yeah, pretty sad story. Full stop. End of quote. Next line in the interview that was published and made it to print and made it to the shelves was, thankfully, the only thing Ella is a slave to is rhythm.
1: I know it... Wrap up the show. Wrap up the show. (laughs) I can't.
3: Laminate the internet. That's as good as it's going to get, folks. Laminate the internet. Uh, Eve's jaw dropped, which, to be fair, is the reaction that I get.
1: I I, I remember first reading it and just turning around kind of in slow motion. It's
3: like the Kennedy assassination. Has anybody
0: (laughs) else seen this?
3: It is astonishing. (laughs) Absolutely astonishing. But to go back to my earlier point, there are so many massive (laughs) modern pop names that I'm like... Don't know who you are. Like, we talked about, like, last week, I hadn't heard Desposito.
4: Yeah. So oh, come with, on, mate.
3: With this list, to be fair, I think I know most of these people here. I don't know why Blossoms are on it. That was one of the most, like, snooze, snooze records of the year.
4: Big Moon's a bit boring as well. Big Moon's yeah. a bit
3: boring. Let's get to the big one, shall we? Should air Sheeran be on this list?
4: Well, n- n- no. But what are they trying to do, with the people who have picked it? Like, do you know what I mean? It's they, cause they clearly can't think this is one of the best albums of the year. Yeah,
1: you see, I mean that's the thing. Like, I'd have no problem with Ed Sheeran making this list if he had made one of the twelve best albums. It's just a feeling that it's definitely not there
4: on merit. Yeah. So why? Is it shock value? Do they think, oh, we can't ignore it because it's like so, you know, zeitgeisty or whatever? Yeah. It's like
1: Is it to get like more sort of young people who typically don't care about the Mercuries to invest but a the But the Mercury is meant to be like first?
3: kind of a fairly hoity-toity thing anyway, isn't it? Yeah, like kind of it's prestigious from, it's, and, yeah. Just, it seems weird. Yeah,
4: the argument kind of across the pond every year seems to be that it should be about giving artists a bit of a boost, a bit more of a profile. So maybe the thinking is, well, if you've got Ed's name there, it'll be talked about a bit more. He's not going to win it, but I don't. you don't know. I mean, it's it's a kind of panel of, I think, 12 industry heads. This year it has Jamie Cullum on it. Maybe he's a big Ed Sheeran fan. That might make sense. I don't know. Um, but who, of the other ones Who do we Who's, who's going to win Yeah, yeah. who's going to win
1: uh, I mean per- Personally I like You know A few of these albums Here in particular uh, I thought the XX's album Was very good I really liked Glass Animals Record from last year Stormzy of course Released a good LP For me It's probably Sampha Yeah It feels like The sort of album That would win The Mercury Prize and an, very o- an ouso- and an outside shade for K Tempest as well. It's really not my thing, if I'm perfectly honest. But I can also see that record being something that I would really get behind. I
3: think Samford will win. And I think don't rule out Loyal Karner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't sure. rule out Storms the Island because, I mean, like, it's a success story. Mm-hmm. And the narrative of that could very well thrust him to this kind of pedestal. And yeah. it w- wouldn't be undeserved. But I reckon it's between those three, for sure. Craig? Craig?
4: Yeah, I, I think I think Sam for a Stormsea as you guys said. Um but yeah, just the list in general doesn't really inspire me. But it's the Mercury. I mean you say that we kinda of say that every year, really. Yeah, we're um, waiting for the Ivory Novellas to come around again. Well what I would say is this
3: everyone on that list is damn lucky that the script haven't released their new album yet because oh. it would just be an open and shut case if Freedom Child had been released before Which its I, yeah. planned September <laughs> issue. Sorry, Craig. I
4: initially was like, wasn't that the name that Russell Brand's character in Forgetting Sir Marshall, like his album, but it was actually African Child. African Child, Child. Yeah. 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 By, yeah. yeah. By
3: Aldous Snow. So, yeah, like we always bemoan the fact that after we record something big tends to happen in the music world. We woke up on Friday morning uh, with sore heads in, in a couple of cases to discover that the script had done an interview. Yeah. And it's quite the tale. I mean, we
4: can't talk all about it because it's quite a long read, but my God, where do you start with this? Mental. Let's start with the headline. Musicians aren't standing up over terrorism. Where the hell is Bono? Jay-Z? Beyonce? <laughs> 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 um, so they've been talking in Newsweek and um, basically, oh God, I, I, but like we've selected highlights here. <laughs> I mean, guitarist Mark Sheehan, um tells Newsweek, musicians aren't standing up enough. They did stand up together at the Ariana Grande concert. And um, then Danny cuts in that that was basically the first show of support where musicians kind of got behind the anti-terrorism cause.
3: Where the hell is Bono? Where's Jay-Z? Where's Beyonce? Terrorism has become the new norm, says Sheehan. And they kind of go on to this big, like, we have a record that will combat this. I mean, it's very Brian McFadden calling it ISIS for a scrap in a ball alley, isn't it, at this stage? Like, I mean, it's kind of like, really? is this Is this really the way to go? I mean, if you look at the lyrics of some of these things, I mean they has got a song called "The Divided States of America." Dave it makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? It's like, yeah, it's like that that democracy band that Sebastian Bach did for that supergroup show all those years ago. <laughs> oh my
4: god, that was amazing.
3: So Danny Dunn, who says of uh, the the title track, it came from Mark Side like, passing the blame. There, uh, his seven year old. <laughs> his seven-year-old came up to him one day and asked dad what's terrorism now I'm just gonna I'm daddy gonna, what's terrorism I'm putting, it, I'm putting it out there that's bollocks man do you ever see people on Twitter who go my five-year-old said to uh, me last night uh, what is Boris Johnson playing at this?' And, uh, no, we, no no, they no. didn't you're, you're, uh. you're lying for fucking attention and for social media you reckon fame. that's a
4: lie it
1: seems to be
3: what I don't think that's daddy a lie. what's terrorism yeah he's probably
1: still trying to eat lego like so
3: he's <laughs> you know. so,
0: seven I'm seven
3: God. so I don't know what kids are like Greg <laughs> He says, that's not a fucking easy thing to answer, no matter how old you are. So the track, Freedom Child, addresses and the need for (laughs) harmony with lyrics such as, and I quote, put a flower in the top of a gun, put confetti in an atomic bomb, it's time for change, we've seen enough, instead of war, we're declaring
4: love. (laughs) Oh my god.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely mental.
4: Hug a terrorist today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, I mean here's
1: the thing. I mean like I've interviewed a script a number of times. Yeah. And, like, they I'm have right. a habit of like especially Danny will dig himself into a little bit of a hole and Mark will get him out of it. Yeah. That, that that just doesn't seem to have happened here
4: yeah I mean they're very friendly lads they like having an yeah. old chat I, it probably looks much worse which one although is, they did write down the sorry. lyrics <laughs> which,
3: which one of you went to a like a playback of their new that record me yeah. I had to go to the studio and with was, Danny he was dancing around while it was playing and yeah. filling up your wine glass yeah that's
1: right Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the wine glass filling was much appreciated uh, the music <laughs> the dancing <laughs> and kind of watching me listen to his album not so much I
4: mean at least he kind of had the conviction to stay and listen to his music I yeah. remember going to see I think Shane Filan's kind of new EP and he left the room when it was playing. <laughs> and then he came back in just kind of looking all hopeful as he sat there being like, yeah, <laughs> that was three songs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, that was Almost. <laughs> that was can, can, three can, songs.
1: can we just take a second as well, though, to, to deliver props? Because, like, you know, we're talking about here, about Danny and Mike. Glenn Power, drummer of the script, yeah. is playing a blinder. blinder. Just sit there, <laughs> say nothing, keep the beat, collect your paycheck. <laughs> just like living the dream living the dream do you know that when they got unveiled for their gig at Croke Park it was meant to be a big secret and then he got into a lift next to me <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's great alright well will they crop up in songs of the week I think what they, they might of, yeah. yeah, they possibly will as a matter of fact
3: let's kick off songs of the week with rain, the script
0: rain down on me each drop is pain 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 when you leave it's such a shame we fucked it up, you
3: Okay, that song is called Rain, it's and not about terrorism. In the words of Crossy the Clown, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> it's quite disappointing, isn't it? I mean, like, we yeah, had high hopes.
1: Like, well, no, I mean, I'll say this for the code script. That's a line. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is a code line song, and like the script, not my thing, to be fair. But like, they can write a successful radio single. Mm. This does not sound like one.
4: Well, uh, I kind of had the opposite. Like, I. I didn't love it, but I thought, okay, I can see what it's doing. It's doing, again, that Tropicality thing a bit. I mean, it reminded me of slightly better pop songs in terms of the... Ver- like, the verse melody is very kind of um, aha or something. And I, th- what I liked most about it was... It sounds like at any second a rapper's going to arrive to deliver a verse that was just like copied and pasted into it. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. Will I am stayed at home on this? That's my favourite thing about it. That's refreshing for (laughs) sure. Yeah,
3: there's not a lot going on here, is there? Especially trailing off the back of this interview. I was waiting for some kind of, you know, revolution, mate. And it's just not for the
4: first single. (laughs) It's just kind of a Tropicalia
3: pop song. Yeah. With not much going on. Yeah, not even a particularly good one either. No. Although, you know, it's racking up the millions on YouTube. I was curious to see if their fan base was still massive. It turns out it is. It's it's insane. so
0: global. they're also you. around almost they're ten the years. They are the ultimate come
1: point.
3: to Brazil band, like.
0: Are they?
1: Oh yeah, big time. Okay, yeah. but hang on, they're around almost ten years. Yeah, right about that. I think the yes. man who can't be moved came out in two thousand eight. I think. Yeah, I can remember hearing it in Italy that year, even so, yeah. like
4: it was already going a big global at that stage. And prior to that, I mean, they were writing for other people and they were already kind of in the industry. And yeah. this, in fairness, sounds like a song that maybe a, even a, like a bigger star could probably you know have a hit with. It's mm. it's perfectly well composed.
3: Yeah, it's fine. It's fine but it's like fine. they've always just been fine. Yeah. And I I'm mystified as to the level of the appeal mystified. but I don't know man, we've seen recently that I, I I've gotten it wrong on a couple of occasions when it comes to the popularity of certain things that aren't very good? Yeah, well, I remember people kind of laughed at the Crow Park gigs when they were
1: announced and then they sold them out within about two hours, so go figure. Uh, also, brace bump, yourself. It's the Colm O'Regan bump. <laughs> yeah, brace yourself as well, though, for, like, some massive gig again with them next summer, I'm guessing, because they announced two dates in Ireland uh, just before this album release, but, like, in the National Stadium, the Millennium Forum, which are tiny venues from their perspective, hmm. so presumably they're plotting something else
3: big.
4: Okay. Or inside source there. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
3: Let's have something completely different. Okay, that's Converge making their no encore debut. They released two tracks this week. One is called Uh I what is it? I feel your pain. It's
4: not called that. Is it not? I got it's it wrong. It's close to that. It's uh, I can tell you about pain. I can tell you about, I can pain. Tell you about pain. or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's the short one I'm calling it. The short slightly louder one. <laughs> <laughs> and the other track
3: is called Eve, named yeah. in honor of our Sonic architect yeah. Eve. <laughs> what did we think? I loved it. Did you? No, of course I didn't, Dave. <laughs> it sounds like people whose mothers didn't hug them enough as children. Um,
1: no, I That's a support it, band. Look, this is never going to be my thing. I, I will say this much. Um, there's a genuine urgency and conviction and energy to this that would belie and band that are kind of 25 years plus on the go. Okay. I still didn't like it, but I'll give them that.
4: Yeah, I mean the first track it was kind of short sharp I very much like how it kind of breaks down at the end and it just properly goes for it um, Eve really worked for me because I think with Converge, like, I don't really know a lot of their stuff, but and that w- it wouldn't be my genre. But they always kind of give you something to hang on to like, within the song. Yeah. I think it has that. Like there, There's a kind of motif running throughout it that you're kind of... It kept me on board. Um, Like all the sludginess and all the kind of... I do feel like to fully enjoy it, I would probably need to be on a hardcore... Like course of anabolic steroids for a bit, but that's just per- my personal chemistry. Yeah, yeah. There, I, yeah actually, actually, I agree there there, there. there was enough, especially in
1: terms of like the rhythms, yeah. enough changing and moving about. That, yeah, like, they're the yeah. girls
4: led of
3: hardcore. It's just hook after hook after hook. Uh, I'm a huge fan, as you may have guessed. Uh, a band that I absolutely adore. Jane Doe is my favorite record, and the title track was number one in my, most, my in the top ten songs that we did recently on the show. Uh, they are just they don't put a foot wrong for me. Uh, I think they have an incredible aesthetic. There's very few bands out there that can match it, or even kind of play in the same ballpark as them. And I'm their their level of consistency is incredible. I'm aware that I sound like a fanboy right now, but they just have this incredible world building thing going on that I just fall for every single time. Marry them, why don't you? Well, I tell you something, my friend, uh, friend of the show, Dave Higgins, oh, right? Big Higgs. <laughs> big Higgs. I sent him the track, yeah, and he responded, and he said, "That's going right in the Big Toe vein, Fred Savage and Rules of Attraction style." Which might be the most disgusting way I've ever heard someone appreciate a piece of music. Yeah. And with that, we'll move on to someone who I think you might be a fan of, Cullum. This is Emily Haynes of Broken Social Scene and Metric fame. Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton. The song is called Planets.
0: Dead time
6: Okay,
3: so I guess that one right. Are you a fan? Yeah, I am. Uh, I mean, the fact that she did
1: the vocals for Anthems for a 17-year-old girl alone. Makes you something of a legend in my book. Um, And yeah, I'm a bit of a metric fan as well, and I knew that they were due to have an album out uh, later this year. I did not realise that the solo effort from Emily Hames is coming as well. It's a real London bus situation, it seems, when you add Broken Social Scene into the mix as well. Three albums in a single year, considering that output had been relatively slow uh, on most counts before that. It's a bit of a surprise. Uh, I quite like this. Uh, The first cut from the album was Fatal Gift, and it was just kind of a one girl and and a piano effort there's the layered vocals on this kind of give it I suppose that dreamy effect almost kind of like shoegaze
3: or trip hop sort of vocals or something like that Um, And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really kind of, like, melancholic and very patient with itself. There's a serious command here. It's that kind of thing of, like, you can can read, like, a paragraph, you can, like, hear a piece of music, and, like, to one person might be like, well, that was really grim and very dark. But I kind of got, like, you know, I I like to try and go for the hope angle where I can, and I got Mm -hmm. it with this. I quite like the video as well of her kind of milling around uh, what appears to be, like, a swimming pool locker room with, like, a baseball bat or something. Craig?
4: Yeah, no, it's very... Pleasant. It's it's nice. Uh, kind of drifted by a bit for me. I mean, compared to the first single, I just I thought that built to a conclusion. Um, h- had a bit more of a payoff. But yeah, this is and again, like I say this every week at this point, but I feel like this will sit really well within the context of a greater kind of work. Yeah. Um, but as you know, everything she does, it's it's always up to a standard. Um, and so it's very nice. Yeah. Every little thing she does is magic. You might say. <sighs> I might. I'll, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Very well.
3: Uh, also in my top ten songs of all time, the band Wolf Parade, Canada's Finest. They're back as well, out of nowhere. The song was called Valley Boy. Wolf Braid returned to Irish Shores, the Button Factory, in late November. I've seen them live about four times. Mm. Highly recommend it. Okay. The song, I'm not sure I highly recommend it. It's a bit okay. It's not great. It's kind of Spencer Krug at his most kind of phoned in, I think, vocal-wise. They released an EP last year, which was quite good. and had one track on it called Sailor V-Way, which I've played to death ever since. I think it's amazing. I think it, it captures everything that's great about Wolf Parade. Sometimes they have the odd dud. This isn't necessarily bad or anything, but I kind of would expect just a little bit more from them.
4: Yeah, um, I think I like this more than you, Um It's obviously a tribute to Leonard Cohen and it was probably maybe the lyrics rather than the actual tune I focused on a bit more and I thought it was like a clever kind of way of approaching it. Um, I liked the kind of references and lines and it didn't seem like too much. It didn't seem kind of kitsch. Um, It was just kind of... It's a bit of an idea that we saw a lot on Twitter, which just had everyone's eyes rolling, where it was just like, oh, Leonard Cohen decided, now's the time to, you know, drift off this mortal coil, because of, the world's gone to hell in a handcart. Well, yeah, that was especially because, wasn't it, everyone said, like, oh, I saw Donald Trump get
1: yeah, elected, exactly. and he thought, well, I'll have enough of that, and it's like, well, he actually died before that, mate, like, they just didn't tell him. Yeah, anything. so spirited it's, away. it's a
4: bit of that, but it actually, the writing is clever enough that it gets away with it, um... It is a kind of Krug by numbers track. It's a bit kind of bouncy. It's a bit mannered. I like the kind of dueling guitars kind of about two and a half minutes in. It's very kind of, it brings you back to when they're at the Hydra Powers maybe a decade ago and almost has that angular kind of, you know, dueling Franz Ferdinand thing, which was very nice and broke it up nicely at a moment where it could have been over-egged. So I thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed it as well,
1: actually. I do agree, though, that it like it's not reinvention by any means, and it's probably not the best stuff they're ever going to do. It has to feel to me a bit like dipping your toes in the water, kind of like easing into a comeback, so to speak. Yeah,
4: But, but, but th- I, they were kind of doing that with the EP, though, weren't they? That's yeah,
1: the like, yeah. a
3: strange thing. I mean, there, there is a record coming, I believe, and as a matter of fact, I saw them Body and Soul last year, and at one point, at the end of one of the songs, some guy like in the front row went, you still got it? And like um, Dan Bachner, the guitarist, he like he went, still got it, huh? And I was like, yeah, you do though. <laughs> like it was like this is a great show. They're a fabulous live band, and I hope we'll all go to the gig. Closing is out this week, though. Uh, we we're, we're gonna we're considering giving this a full review, but we aren't gonna quite do it because we could just got two albums to review this week. So we mentioned it already. Nine Channel has released their Ad Violence EP. Let's remind ourselves what that sounds like. So, uh, given that there was so much music to listen to, we kind of uh, deferred this one to me... Which I mean, let's be honest. Should it really have been me reviewing the Nails EP? Well, you were going to insist on doing it anyway, Dave. Like, but I, so. I just feel like you're
4: not going to
1: get if like a like if I had taken it on, you'd just shout over me. So
3: I will do that. You're not going to get like a revelatory turn here. I think it's really good. <laughs> it's trying there anything
4: you didn't like? Not it, a weak that. song. Uh, the lovers isn't great. Is the
3: lovers it? is no, it works for me. But I will say like it, it's it's kind of got that weird like it's a bit out of place in a way. And then again, you could say that less than the single is not quite indicative of what's to follow. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really impressive. I'm not going to waste too much time talking about this. I, I, I really like how there's a track called This Must Be the Place. And I think that's his tribute to Bowie. He hasn't said that it is, but I feel like it is. It kind of has callbacks to some of Bowie's more kind of experimental stuff. But also, he has a line where he says, I thought we'd have more time, which is what Reznor wrote in the eulogy that he wrote for mm-hmm. Bowie when he kind of finally broke his silence on it. And it's just a, it's a beautiful haunting meditation in which he... Exercise a lot of patience before coming in, and if you want to talk about exercising patience, Craig, talk to me about that final track,
4: would you? It's a bit like what the fuck, isn't
0: it?
3: Well, explain what happens
4: in in if, fucking if you can. Yeah. Okay, now can you explain it? Because it's like, yeah.
3: It's, so it... the track is called "The Background World," which I think yeah. is top tier nine snails. And essentially, after about four minutes or so of uh, Reznor kind of doing this very elegant, I would say, uh, vocal line over kind of a building song. He effectively lets it play out, and then for about seven minutes, decides to completely fuck with the audience and have this loop come in. Yeah. But the loop cuts off after, like, while looping, it gives you like a split second of like nothing happening to the point where, like, I presume if you were listening to this on like a cassette back
4: in the day, you'd be like, "Oh, something's got caught." I was actually listening to it on cassette. I, I hope so. Hipster, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, uh, yeah.
3: It's, it's, it's designed to kind of make you be like hang on what but it just builds and builds and does I mean, it was not
4: what it was designed for though because I, like, I listened to that bit once and I was like uh, I don't really know what he's trying to achieve with it do you really? know what I mean I yeah. think it's just sonic exploration mate okay well maybe <laughs> we should ask our sonic architect but <laughs>
3: I don't know we should yeah. uh, Reznor though himself I'd like to ask him he did a very long interview with uh, the New York Times I believe mm. uh, in which at one point it's worth reading even for just how he randomly takes a dig at Ashton Kutcher of all people yeah which I found very enjoyable I yeah, a bit harsh. Sounds, I like what did he say Kutcher? about him? Somebody they they said what do you think of that idea that like you know venture capitalists are the new rock stars oh, Jesus. and Reson was like fucking bullshit like it's complete nonsense he's like oh you're gonna tell me that Ashton Kutcher's that guy he goes he, that guy seems like an asshole and then they were like your man goes ouch and Reson goes yeah I don't really know where that rage came from or whatever <laughs> but uh, yeah fascinating figure as always look this EP Ad violence is a home run for me, but it was always going to be, wasn't it? (laughs) It really was. Uh, There's been an awful
1: lot of new music to listen to this week. We will be getting to more of it in just a minute. But also, obviously, the past seven days, an awful lot of people uh, turning the clock back uh, to over 15 years ago and a hybrid theory. We were on air last week and recording when news of
3: Chester Benton's...
1: Death broke. That is why, if you listen to last week's show, the last seven minutes are us just kind of feeling our way through it. Yeah,
3: we were very kind of discombobulated, and I mean, like, it was difficult to know how to react in the moments. Mm. I mean, since then, I, I've written a piece for Drowning Sound. If anybody wants to go and read that about kind of Chester Bennington and Lincoln Park and my relationship to them, my relationship to hybrid theory in particular, and it seems an awful lot of people in our social circle and beyond have kind of expressed their own grief and their own kind of connection to that record. It, it, I think in a lot of cases, a lot of people didn't quite realize just how many people got involved with it. So, in the wake of this, our old friend Joe Panama, who was actually a guest on the very first episode of No Encore. 70
1: episodes ago.
3: Yeah, feels longer. It does feel longer. And his buddy, Glenn Fitzpatrick, came up with a really good idea. And their idea was to have one of those sing-along social nights out. In McGee's, but it's since spawned and grown legs. All proceeds going to Pieta House, which is a very good cause indeed. We caught up with Joe and Glenn ahead of this momentous night, and this is what that sounded like. Delighted to be joined by Joe Panama and Glenn Fitzpatrick, who have come up with a great idea in the wake of the tragedy of last week. What is it? Glenn, you can do this one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose in a really straightforward terms... Uh, Anybody who's familiar with the sing-along social, uh, I suppose, format of an event that's taken off a little bit and doubled over the last little while, um, just really in the wake of that, just sort of thought it might be an idea to to do it with hybrid theory, given the, the volume of the, the tributes that were pouring out, um, and I, I think myself and Joe had sort of posted something on Facebook in and around the same time, uh, so I just dropped him a line, just to sort of run it by him to see if he thought with the spear runner. And I think in the confines of getting a hundred people into the room we thought it's it's way more than way more way more doable than you know, something massive and, you know, we could probably keep it relatively confined to our own social circles and, you know, it would be a quick round for, for a really worthy worthy cause. And that was that, really. That was, we were sort of away in the hack when we decided it'd be, you know, a relatively achievable thing. But I don't think we expected the scale, I suppose, of the response we got from, from ordinary punters. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, keeping
6: it within your social circle, didn't quite work. <coughs> no, <laughs> we were, I mean, we had a, we'd initially booked um, the basement of Fibbers and Fibbers were really generous and they gave us the room and, uh, we thought, oh, maybe it's too big. Maybe that many people aren't going to show up. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> um, the Facebook event page has been fun. Um, we've been working our way through it. And basically, yeah, but just just to go back over the idea of it, the idea of it is we're going to have a bunch of people looking like about 300 people in a room singing along to Hybrid Theory. And um, just I hope everyone is like as loud as possible about it because... It's actually funny, a friend of ours came to us and asked uh, if he wanted to hand out lyric sheets, which is a fine idea, mm-hmm. but I think everyone going is going to know every yeah, word it's off a bit redundant, by yeah. heart, you know? <laughs> and it, it, it's looking like most of the people in the event page who have tickets are like diehard Linkin Park fans and really, really want to go and pay their respects. And I mean, the volume of posts looking for a bigger room is testament to how many fans that Chester yeah. had and how many fans Linkin Park have in, in, in Ireland Yeah, and especially that album, to be fair, because I think over the past
1: week it's become very clear that it had just such crossover resonance, it seems. Like,
4: people that... Personally, people that I would never have expected to point yeah. to
1: Hybrid Theory as being a formative album or something are just like, this was so big for me.
4: Well, certainly our kind of people around our age group, it was kind of real gateway album. I think it just arrived at a perfect time yeah. and it kind of was influenced and was part of a scene of just this all incredible music that led off from it. So it was a real kind of catalyst for a lot of people that are massively into music now. So Yeah.
6: yeah. It it was it, it had a lot to do with the production of it and a lot to do with the timing of it. And a lot of the other new metal that was coming out was like a little bit harder to... Take seriously, like Papa Roach or whatever, and I'd then be Roach. yeah, you need Papa Roach out of this, man. Sorry, sorry. Um, Real roachers in this room. But I, I've
3: been
0: like... <laughs>
6: roachers. I just, just cool. made it up. I just made it are up. You I could be Shalux as a saint. <laughs> run with it. Wouldn't you be Baba Roaches? Oh, okay, like? let's not do this. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, since since Chester's death, I've been obviously listening to the record a bit more and almost taken on a new life it definitely has like the lyrics mean mm-hmm. a lot more reading them now when I'm 28 and not 12 and yeah, I know like it's like it was super angsty and it was like super emotional and it was they were kind of you know slagged for that but the guy's talking about child abuse and addiction yeah. like He can be as angsty as as he wants to be. Absolutely, yeah. And like in the statement that Lincoln Park released in the wake of his death, I mean, they kind
3: of said like, you're always incredibly upfront about your demons and that was one of the reasons why people loved you because there was no, it wasn't about subtext, it was about this is me and this is how I do it. And like there was such, you're very, it's very wary, I'm very wary about like projecting too much in the wake of something like this but at the same time, what you saw was what you got and what you heard was what you got. This was, a ferocious voice screaming like looking for catharsis and like doing it like nobody else and it didn't feel like he was out to posture or try and like you know fake connect with you for album sales or whatever it seemed like a genuine genuine connection um so with regards to uh, the show we should clarify this point that if you're going and you know it's ticket only so yeah. you yeah. know be aware of that yeah. for, for, for listeners and it's it's not a band performance yeah. uh, have you had to clarify that a few
6: times um, no uh, well once or twice uh, a friend of mine ran a, a, a Paramore tribute night before in Fibbers mm-hmm. and it was the same thing it was like a DJ playing Paramore tune the people arrived expecting a Paramore cover band we are not a Lincoln Park cover band we are going to be playing the record from the record that I own right. on a turntable through a PA nice if that isn't what you thought you bought your ticket for you can get a refund. There are more people looking for tickets, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's mostly just going to be a nostalgia trip for a lot of us. Um, and yeah, yeah, no bad.
2: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> catharsis, I think, as you say, catharsis would be order of the, the night, you know, and sort of if you got into Linkin Park when you were younger and you see Chester, you know, screaming his hair out, you're almost behind him in a way because you knew it was it was... Uh, cathartic for him and you're almost sort of encouraging me like, go on go on lad do it Like, yeah. uh, and I think on the night itself it'll, it'll be not only a good tribute but um, you know, everybody has their own things going on in, in the background and uh, I mean personally I get too distracted doing things like mindfulness and meditation but you know a good bit of hybrid theory sort of seems like a good little a good, a bit of a, a way of blowing off some steam as well definitely great Absolutely. group therapy And uh,
3: all proceeds go to Pieta House, of course, so if you aren't going but would like to donate, uh, they do excellent, excellent work, I myself am currently actually availing of their services, they're very, very important people, they do great work, so if you want to donate, uh,
6: how can they do that? So, at the moment, we haven't got a page set up specifically to donate, apart from my personal PayPal, but you can go onto our event page and if you want to donate to them, you can contact us directly through the event page. Um, If there's enough interest, we might set up some other way of doing it, but yeah, Pieta have been amazing. Um, they've been really supportive of, of what we're doing um, like even Pieda in New York have got in touch with us um, wow. actually Warner Music have been great wow. um, Warner Music contacted us and they've been doing a lot of poster design for us um, like if we have a change to the event they'll like have it done in a second and it's, it's there and um, they're donating stuff for a raffle so hopefully we're going to be able to raise some more money um, by raffling off a lot of Linkin Park stuff it's like Lincoln Park CDs and possibly some vinyl um, actually no there's definitely some vinyl so, um, yeah, it's it's just the support from people, like you said, people who you never would have thought. It's kind of coming out of the woodwork, like people who are who I haven't seen or heard from in ten, fifteen years, and people I've never heard of. And everyone's just—it's just—I don't know. It really grew legs pretty fast. And I've got a lot of people kind of like just messaging me, being like, "I haven't listened to that
3: record since I first listened to it, and I'm listening to it now." And like some people have kind of been like, "Oh, well, you know, like where were you in the interim?" But it's like I think people—it was as Craig kind of said, like it was a real. Like landmark moment for you at a certain time when you first heard it and it's amazing to go back to it and appreciate it in a new way the circumstances obviously are like the worst imaginable but like it is a record that's going to live on and like it's 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 a defining statement and yeah even you were saying you were like 16 years like how, how is it 16 years how is it that long yeah. jesus that's it's, terrifying
6: it's um it's an album that'll never leave me you know it's um it's of all the albums i think of from back then I grew up listening to like Floyd and Defin and stuff. And they're always kinda of there in the background bubbling away. But this one is just it's you know you know when you kind of grow the agency yourself to get into music. Yeah, yeah. And it isn't something that's been handed down to you from your parents. Like that was that because I was twelve and it was edgy. It was edgy as hell, you know. I was like, <laughs> This is cool, but it's way more than that. And it it it's it stood it stood up way longer than even I think the record label that originally went to it thought it would. And yeah, I mean, that's 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 the thing. I think the, the zeitgeist that it kind of captures, is that how you use that phrase? Yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent. Cool. Go <laughs> on. I
2: think it's fair to say as well, there might have been a bit of a chilling effect around talking about Linkin Park as you get always oh, you're not still listening to them, are you? You know that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you, I mean, you might still be listening to them, but you don't necessarily bring it up in conversation. So uh, I think because maybe it hadn't been spoken about for so long, it's just like the, the power of the spotlight that came on it then, this this time last week almost, uh, was, was, was really something else. Like, I think it took a lot of people back a good few years um, and I'd say you know going forward now it's going to be one of those I mean like is is, is it fair to compare Chester to to people who like you know in in that bracket you know who have unfortunately fallen like, like obviously Chris Cornell and stuff I think he'll take his place up there I don't think anybody's questioning that now. I think, I think maybe, so. m- maybe maybe circumstances change that, but I don't think anybody's questioning his
3: legacy now. Absolutely. Okay, so Thursday, August third, Workman's Club, tickets only at this stage, of yes, course, without yes. question, tickets only.
6: Yeah, unless there's some dramatic something that happens somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Main stage <of> EP maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna tour it. Like
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: your moxie. Yeah, you should like hit, hit all the rural towns in the country. and <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bring yeah.
6: people out at the woodwork. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the dress code is uh, obviously wallet on chains. Only and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, well, and, essential. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, the music for tonight is just gonna be a nostalgia trip from back in back then, back in two thousand. Everything from crying and Skulls back in the day. Nice. That's what we're playing when we're not playing hybrid theory. Uh, so if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you have something you want us to play, let us know.
3: Yeah, and that Spotify playlist that you made is unreal, by the way. So okay. I'll post that on the No Encore Show Twitter account. In the meantime, Joe Glenn, thanks so much for coming in. It's an awesome cause and it's a great great thing to do. I hope it's a great night. Thank you. It's album review time. Ooh. And once again, it's one of those weeks where you've got too much to listen to. So we happen- figured we should talk about two records in particular. Hmm. Let's have the first one, shall we? <laughs> So that is Electric Blue from Arcade Fire's new record, Everything Now. Now, some people have asked me, they've said to me, Dave, why on No Encore and on Twitter as well have you been bashing Arcade Fire with such relish? And what I would say is... I'm not sure that I have, but what I want to kind of point out as a preface here is that Arcade Fire were a band that were a big deal for me at one point. I thought the first record was phenomenal. Mm I thought the second record was very, very good, if not quite living up to the hype. I'm totally with you so far. But I kind of fell out of love with them at that point. And I always found Mm -hmm. them as individuals to be quite cold. I didn't really kind of go with their vibe. The Suburbs didn't really do anything for me. Reflector did less than that. Yeah. But I still wanted them to be good and come good again because, you know, kind of a heritage act in your own kind of making. We talk about like hybrid theory, but Linkin Park, it was the same. I was like, I hope that they come back to greatness at some point. So, you know, I went into everything now with an open mind. and I went into the singles with an open mind. All that said, this is the worst album of the year. Yeah. You know what? I mean, can, can I just jump in there? Because I happen to
1: feel pretty much the exact same way as you the whole way along that career. Phenomenal first album, great second album while not quite as good. Then it started tailing off, and this is probably the nadir uh, as far as Arcade Fire. I can't get over
3: just how bad this is. This is the like thing. I'm
1: shocked. This is the thing. Is it? Are you that shocked in the context of it being Arcade Fire? that's the point. Like if this was brought out as like mystery jets album, would you call it the worst record of the year? No,
3: but year? this this is the point. And like and, and for an example, I put up on Twitter like today I went everything Now was the worst album of the mm-hmm. year. And I saw like a fellow journalist kind of put up a thing being like oh, like why are people racing to say this and like that's so over the top and it's a bit hipster whatever. I would like to think that it's taken as read that when I say everything Now was the worst record of the year, I'm not comparing it to Ed Sheeran because I expect quality. It's the worst album of the year from a band that I would expect to make a good record. Yeah, no. I, that's I, I, kind of my, like... So like, it's not the worst
4: album of the year. <laughs> no, but, like, semantics. It's gl- just
3: causing controversy on Twitter
4: again, <laughs> No, 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 Having no. been oh.
1: buried, buried in a Facebook Live video by an 18-year-old from Leash the other day. What? We don't know who oh, old she <laughs> is. What you, know, you, this? You, don't, you don't need to bring this <laughs> up. Fi- picture this being interviewed in the States oh, and announcing a gig and, yeah. the com- like, comment on the video. Just like, oh, Hanratty got his ticket. It's the moxie of the girl to, to not even use your full name. Is the thing that Are I'm they just going to keep referring loving. to you for like the rest
4: of our career. career. Like
3: presumably, just, yeah. 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 And look, I'll give credit where it's due. It was a good burn. Yeah, they're still good. terrible, <laughs> and I hope they'll snap out of it. But nonetheless, uh, I think it should go without saying that I, like, but, but like, someone in their bedroom is going to make the worst album of the year. But like, yeah. this is a high-profile release, and we we take albums seriously on this show.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And I took this album seriously enough to listen to it, and I think it's the worst album of the year. Yeah, I mean, don't at me. Definitely, in terms of expectation, this
1: feels like a massive, 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 massive letdown. Uh, for a band that's capable of making some really good albums, uh, this is not one, and it's far from it. And I think it's the level to which it feels disconnected from what they've done before. And from really what you even think they kind of conceived this album to be, it sounds a bit like, I don't know, kind of, you know, an out-of-date newspaper columnist kind of trying to find something modern to write about (laughs) and ending up, like, you know, culturally appraising like the Dancing Hot Dog or something
4: like that, you know? It's just, what are you actually doing here? I think the whole marketing campaign around this album, um, which has been much discussed, where they've essentially... Uh, I mean, they've they pulled a lot of stunts. Uh, they're quite the japesters these days. Um, and a lot of it has been around kind of consumerism and the state of the media. And, you know, they've been kind of putting out like mock uh, premature reviews before we have even listened to the album. Ah, by wacky the way, guys. That is like... The horrendous, and I really
3: enjoyed Follow John Misty saying that he would fucking crush a fake pitchfork review of Arcade yeah, Fire Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone was jumping
1: in. I would pay money for that. Yeah,
4: they were like this close to doing a Metallica and calling a song like "Vanity Unfair." Like it's that, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> infinite content. This content, is the thing
1: you can hear the beard stroking and high fiving when someone came up with that. I
4: think all of this bluster kind of belies the fact that they're actually really unsure of what they should be doing now. Yeah. Um, certainly sonically. And we're now kind of at a situation where bands feel like to kind of evolve, they have to put down their guitars and go a bit synthy or go a bit disco. And I kind of feel like they're they kind of obliged to become talking heads when they can't do it well at all. Hey, remember songs like Crown of Love? Yeah. Where are they gone?
3: Yeah. What the hell is this?
4: Um, there, was a, there was a really good Village Voice article um, where... The the kind of crux of it is, and were my feelings after listening to it a couple of times and just kind of summed up it really perfectly. It was just like the problem with Arcade Fire is they can't dance, and so <laughs> essentially the thing is, sure it's fine if you want to go disco, but Arcade Fire as a band and particularly Win Butler have this kind of very puritanical streak. Yeah. Um, lyrically he's very he's using the kind of accusatory you it's a Dylan thing where he's talking down to the audience so he's talking about consumerism and stuff but it's always like oh you're wasting your life you're doing all this blah 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 he's hectoring to this kind of like <laughs> disco beach. Yeah, they're not fun at all and yeah. they never will be that, that's another thing yeah and
1: I think so long suckers to be honest, I think that goes all the way back to their first album and perhaps even before it when you think of their live performances was that they kind of built themselves up or got built up as this really intense, yeah. really sort of all-consuming, powerful act. And for me, they sound like they're sort of wearing that as a bit of a millstone now, that they end up, you know, to borrow a borrow Arrest Development's phrase, like, you know, they go Pete Rose and go in face first to everything they do, when actually taking your time and considering building a disco album yeah. Or something along those lines. I mean, I, I wouldn't want them to
3: do that. Let me clarify. But It'd be better than this. <laughs> I mean, like this is terrible. You mentioned uh, like Infinite Content earlier on. <laughs> Again, probably the worst song of the year. That's oh, just, it's just irritating ke-
0: Chemistry before
3: which, it Which it one even a
0: content it, it, if in a yeah. content so We're they, infinitely
3: content Are so you taking the fucking piss Are you 15 <laughs> Are you my mate's band Back when I was in school Are you actually fucking kidding me Wynn Butler Five or six albums in What the hell happened They happens? do Well in the
4: fairness There are only four albums in yeah. So maybe next time I not know It's just, fine this now, the fifth the album? Is it Yeah This is the fifth yeah. album Funeral Neon oh, I they should know better then, for God's yeah, yeah, sake. I forgot about bloody reflector. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you know why? Because it's rubbish. <laughs> yeah, then the thing is, the next song is infinite content, except like this whimsical, <laughs> folky... Yeah, it's awful, awful, awful. With, with an underscore this time. But there's <laughs> so many awful moments in this, like where you're just like, I actually got a good few laughs out of this. Like when chemi- every time chemistry kicks in, I'm just like, I can't believe they're doing okay, this. Okay, why is
3: chemistry so funny?
4: Okay, I love it's the It's a honky-tonk, like, <laughs> march or something. It's... It, it's, yeah, it's a honky-tonk march. It's kind of like, it's a weird, it kind of sounds a bit like Fleetwood Mac's Tusk, but done really dreadfully. It's just, I, can't, I don't know. It's got these weird horns going on <laughs> that are just like trampling over your soul forever. It's dreadful. A cr- creature Comfort awful we've talked about it before but every
3: time every time Regine sings on Creature Comfort I want to claw my fucking ears off yeah and you and the like, lyrics are so bad it's, 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 it's like when you, I know what you're trying to do mate but
4: my god the assisted suicide stuff is you awful you have got
3: this so wrong uh, yeah, to a disco
4: beat he talks about <laughs> to like <laughs> this mad people synth. putting on the first record as they're going to kill themselves it's just like
3: what are you trying and to and he's basically saying that like a fan told him this yeah, or something I and I'm like if this, is,
4: if this is a true story
3: number one kind of irresponsible if it isn't what are you actually doing yeah. like what the fuck is the, this, no, this record's appalling and oh, I mean like it's
4: when he starts rapping on Signs of Life
3: he does <laughs> a kind of
4: Debbie Harry on Rapture except terrible where he's like it sounds more like a hoedown it's like grab your pot a dose
3: okay so look let's try and find a couple of positives
4: Electric Blue is alright yeah it's uh, kind of a good showcase Put for, Your Money On Me I think is actually a very good song
3: Put Your Money uh, On Me is good but also and We Don't Serve Love fine Put your money on me has a kind of a crawling bass synth thing going on, yeah. which the, is stolen directly from like a track off Hotline Miami Two. Okay. Well, and I I, think I, he, I can't imagine that arc Fire are big Hotline Miami Two fans, no. but it's in there.
4: But I, I think even like lyrically, <laughs> at least, it's a bit more kind of personal to him, and it's just not cringy. At least you can get through it. Like there, <laughs> there is an occasional hook in here, but frankly. Even when there is, it seems to be
1: buried either beneath weird instrumentation on top of it, or look just a for them in a lyric. couple of That's-
3: years to go. <laughs> Did y'all like our joke album that we
1: put yeah. out?
4: Like, everything now is, like, as you say, it's got a nice melody that people have compared to the ABBA and stuff. Yeah. But then at the which end, one? There's they, three they, of them. Then but at the end, they them. end in this weird kind of call and response thing. It's like the Hot House Flowers or something. They just ruin <laughs> nah, everything nah, on nah, this nah. record. Don't
3: you Just the Hot <laughs> House Flowers, man. They were discussed on the Revisit podcast, which comes out every couple of weeks as part of the No Encore show. Yeah. yeah. Great logo on that. As, as regards, yeah, you can you, kill killing the logo. Game. <laughs> Your design is better than their design for this, for this record, for their marketing, for everything. I found this to be a sonic nightmare, and Craig has a rule. Craig has a rule when it comes to review. Records in yep. his rule is
4: gotta be five listens.
3: I barely, barely made it five listens, yeah. and I'm not even kidding. No. And I don't mind admitting that because I found this torture. This was like that PJ Harvey album last year, in that I just found myself also, by the way. So, where I live, right, there's like a, a, a band rehearsal space a few oh, doors yeah. down, right? So, the other night, I'm like trying to listen to the Arcade Fire record, the most busiest clown show of an Arcade Fire record that they've yet to do. Uh, and a few doors down, some horrendous math rock bands start blaring out, and I was like, oh, "My head's going to explode." I was like, "This is how I go. My head's going to cut into like Matthew Lillard and Twin Peaks, and that's the end of me." Spoiler for episode eleven: of Twin Peaks.
4: But like the the crux of like what they're trying to get at with this album is what we talked about you two recently, and what you two were doing in nineteen ninety seven with pop like this is not an, this is another reason why they sound so pompous because this you're not like unveiling any great truths you're not like speaking truth to power you're just talking now to people about like consumerism is bad it's just like did you just re read it like Naomi Klein book or something? Yeah. It's so 6th d- grade. I
1: just remembered how much I hate Put Your Money on Me as well, by the way. So really?
4: I, so I keep looking at this track. I think thing, it's okay. That's like, like the one thing you'd salvage out of wreckage, I think. Really? Yeah. I think it's fine,
3: but it's also I, I think if it was on any other record, you'd be like, well, that's a bit weak. In the Maybe middle it's
1: land. the fact that by the time I get to track 11, I'm just really losing patience with this that's album. That's probably part of it as well. But yeah. I feel
3: like, you know, it stood out because it was like a simple song. They sure. actually wrote a simple fucking song. And didn't throw everything out. They didn't, they didn't throw a bassoon at it. Yeah. Fuck this record, two out of ten.
1: Uh, I will go slightly stronger than that, but not a lot. Uh, four.
4: Yeah, it's me. a four for me, yeah. We also,
1: this week, uh, lent our ears to Lana Del Rey. Uh, we've heard one or two of the singles from Lost for Life already. If you want a reminder, oh, here is
2: the opener. Just don't make you go crazy, crazy, crazy. Love just don't make you go crazy, crazy, crazy
1: Love, it is the first of 16 tracks on the Lana Del Rey record, so Dave already is docking marks there. (laughs) I've said before that she's an artist that does very, very little for me. You guys seemed a little bit more optimistic about what this might present. Yeah was that optimism Craig's the biggest fan in the room
3: room, I think
4: well uh, I wouldn't consider myself a big fan in terms of I haven't properly listened to her last two records so um, I certainly thought she kind of arrived with a lot of promise Um, I think she gets undue stick and I think it all kind of goes back to that early thing of like is she manufactured oh she changed her name Um, which is just like really is that like like such a sacrilegious thing um Love kind of gave me hope because she was kind of looking outward and she was finally yeah Love gave me hope guys she was finally getting away from this kind of persona and the shtick that she'd kind of been carrying with her throughout the last couple of records that just made me kind of give it one listen and be like oh no she's still doing the you know I'm going out with gangsters thing this was a bit more all encompassing. I mean sonically it didn't quite work Lust for Life then I don't know if the weekend thing quite landed so this, these start the, the weekend hasn't landed great <laughs> perspective Wait for it though this, these opened the album. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a slog. I was extremely pleasantly surprised. Easily her best record and a fantastic one. Easily, Genuinely. Easily her best record. I will, Genuinely jo- I will very join you with good. that. Yeah. It is
3: a very, very fine record. Yeah, I will, I'll get my usual shtick out of the way. It's a bit long. However, can I really criticise this record for being so epic in scope? and having pretty much the same runtime as Follow John Misty's Pure Comedy, when Pure Comedy is probably my record of the year, I can't really do that. That would be very hypocritical of me, because it kind of has a similar degree of wanting you to tune into it, and maybe not caring if you don't. Uh, Again, I would have a lot of reservations when it comes to Lana Del Rey, but she's kind of managed to chip away at those with this one. I think this is a fucking great album.
1: It's interesting that you mention the idea of it kind of inviting you to listen, but maybe not being too bothered if you don't, because... I didn't like this record. However, I I also wasn't really pushed towards, you know, hating it or having any sort of disdain towards it in any way because it's so comfortably just over there doing its own thing. It's so unobtrusive that I can't imagine anybody being, you know, truly bothered by it. However, I must say, I felt it was samey. I felt it was uninteresting. I think it just slipped into its same rhythm from the first track onwards, pretty much. And frankly, the only thing that broke it were some underwhelming uh, guest spots along the way, uh, including one from Sean Lennon, which is Are You don't like that song.
4: It's fucking great. I mean,
1: this whole album, this whole album, I'm...
4: Let's talk. Come on, real talk. Yeah, (laughs) Let's go. This whole record, I
1: am confused by whether it is being self-aware and ironic being wildly cringeworthy it opens with the line like you know what is it all you crazy kids with your vintage music or something like that and you're just like alright you're Lana Del Rey like you plucked straight from fucking 1950s Hollywood like
4: it's all very knowing like, that, finally, it's like. Yeah. yeah. That
3: song Love is great. Yeah. I know you said the first it, two it, it, ones didn't it, it, quite work for you. I, I still think they're strong songs. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think Love
1: is probably, maybe, my favourite song on the album. Uh, I pointed out the other day to Dave that she rhymes Summer and Bummer in two consecutive tracks.
4: Now, hold on. And you think she doesn't, like, get the joke when she's, like, got a song called Summer Bummer? like, she, like but she, but featuring ASAP <laughs> Rocky yeah, and, but the, and Playboy Cardi.
0: The,
1: but she, um, also, um, she um. also fucking references, and like I say, she rhymes Summer and Bummer and White Mustang as well, and God knows what that track's doing there. It's nonsense. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Stevie Nicks, I was hoping for something more, I guess. It's, it's not that bad. Sure. But, That's beautiful people,
3: beautiful problems. Yeah, a lot of these
1: songs. I I felt as
3: though Stevie Nicks was kind of being dragged down to Lana Del Rey's level in terms of her delivery. I think "dragged" is, is an interesting term to use because this is a record that pushes and pulls quite a bit. A lot of these songs are long. A lot of these songs are like very broad in their scope and they're meant to be these kind of mini cinematic epics that's kind of always been her purview I suppose but yeah this is one of the rare occasions when I thought that she managed to make it sustain for an entire record although to be fair one song opens with Spanish guitar that made me want to run for the hills oh you love a bit of Spanish guitar I hate Spanish guitar man it's the worst Um, (laughs) worst. (laughs) let's talk about 13 Beaches and hey it might be the best song she's ever written I think it's fucking
4: incredible. I mean, there's better song, much better songs on <laughs> this, but it's a great song. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah,
3: name a better song on the record than this.
4: Um, "God Bless America" is fantastic. Mm. It's really, really kind of like subtly brilliant. I think, I think it's a bit droney. Oh my god, that is Dahi-o the droney. B- <laughs> <laughs> no. Actually, that run, that run almost to the end. A heroine I can take or leave. There's I think heroin's great. Um, yeah, <laughs> <For> but, <sake>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I. I really don't... Okay, your main kind of point there, Colm, was about how long it is and how little change there is throughout. And that's what I was actually going to say about the difference between this and Father John Misty's Pure Comedy. For me, while there's maybe four songs I adore on that, it was very samey over the course. It didn't switch it up whatsoever. And somehow with this, which I'm still trying to figure out because it's so stripped back and it is generally just kind of trap like drums some synths the odd bit of guitar but there's not much instrumentation going on she actually does mix it up enough for me um and i think it's because unlike father john misty where the melodies weren't that inspired she's actually doing stuff vocally enough to carry the rhythms as well and just shift tone enough and i was i was shocked myself that this didn't feel like such a drag it really didn't to me um we're clearly just seeing this in two completely different ways, aren't we? Yeah,
1: like, and I didn't. Like, it's funny when you mention Father John Misty. Like, I feel as though like his cultural references always feel like you know quite organic. He does it very well. He kind of rolls them into what mm. he's talking about. Whereas here, I felt as though like they sounded just kind of tacked on. Sounded like they were sort of you know afterthoughts, basically. Same with you know Father John Misty, for instance, like telling that story of his childhood when he was choking, listening to Fleetwood Mac song, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. And 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 then compare it to, like I say, that song with Sean Lennon, where she's talking about singing with Sean Lennon while singing with Sean Lennon, and you're like but like, I guess this is you breaking the fourth
4: wall or something. I thought that was a nice kind but of it, almost yeah. triumphant moment of like, this album actually means something. Like, this feels like a statement. I, I thought like, so oh, she, too. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. finally realizing her kind of what she was going for. Yeah, this I felt less yeah.
3: about alienation and being cool, and rather than like you know, kind I of. I think I just hate Lana Del Rey. Do <laughs> <Yeah>. I? Is, <laughs> I, is,
0: is I hey, look, you here?
3: know, I, I, I've got fucking. I still think video games ain't great, even though Craig will. I love that
0: song.
1: There we go I was holding it
3: against her that she made me stand in the rain to review her Electric Picnic last year. Well, you know, to be fair, you know, you do like to carry a grudge, but I just think. I think it's very good. I would, I would do a Craig on it, and I would, I'd edit it a little bit. I'd take a couple out. You know, I, I, I mean,
4: ASAP Rocky shouldn't be on this,
3: especially oh, twice. Yeah, two songs oh, in a row.
4: I'm fucking just arrives, <laughs> and you're like, go away, mate, because he's got like, yeah, okay, it doesn't work. For and me. those songs aren't bad. Like, I feel like it's almost like
3: with records like this, which is so stacked, and you could argue that pure comedy is similar. You could argue the blonde is even similar in some regards, where it's like. You know, you've already got that song on this record that's better. you got the better version of that song on here already. Why do I need the B-team version of it coming up three songs later? So it's not that the songs that I would cut are bad. It's just that she's kind of already nailed it. And especially because it's so broad, it's so, you know, like not intrusive. But like, Colm, I don't agree that you, you know, you could throw, yeah, you could throw any album on the background. But like, this is one I think you can get lost in quite well. But I do find myself needing a bit of a break as it goes on. Like, I've taken a break listening to it a couple of times, which I didn't really do with pure comedy. So she's kind of won me around to a degree.
4: Yeah, no, I, like I'm. She's definitely won me around. I, like, particularly listening to this in conjunction with the Arcade Fire thing, it was interesting that like they kind of both present worldviews, or like they're kind of in ways state of the nation or state of America. And Arcade Fire, like, oh, you know, the internet is, you know, the kids, lots <laughs> yeah. too much content, Everybody's and I guess they al-
1: they're also both like kind of really. <laughs> all-consuming sort of um, contexts, I guess, yeah. that they build for themselves. And
4: I'm amazed that, like, actually, as I said, like, you know, when you hit Coachella, right, she's writing a song about Coachella, watching Pharrell, Joe Misty, and you're like, that should be the worst thing in the world. She pulls it off, because there's a nice melody to it. It doesn't feel on the nose. And from there, like, God bless America, as I said, how often have we talked about artists recently struggling to deal with the Trump thing? Mm. And where America's at? And the way she plays it is... Pretty much straight, like I love America. It's good in you know, full title, "God Bless America," and all the beautiful women in it. She talked in interviews about how you kind of now in America you don't really feel safe as a woman. It's all kind of scary stuff. She plays this song really straight, except for like kind of gunshots in the background. And as you say, that kind of drawling thing works for me. It's almost like a kind of you know, "God Bless America." Like fucking, we need a bit of fucking blessings here. I think it really works as a protest song. Uh, when the world was at war we kept dancing follows on from that and I don't think it's kind of you know incidental I just think she's actually nailing protest music on this in a beautiful way I'm shocked I'm really (laughs) shocked like she's she spent so much of her career as a not just a character or a caricature but almost like a side part in it, like where she's talking about these gangsters, and she's always referring to herself as almost like she's the object of desire, Completely, like yeah. she's getting yeah. dressed or something yeah. with this she finally has a bit of agency and she's looking to other people it's It's great like yeah, she seizes control yeah. and has actual command on yeah. here for arguably the first time in
3: her career over the course of a record. I like it quite a bit. Mm. Craig, what number are you giving it strong eight St- eight point five like woof I'm gonna go seven point five all right, call him I'm going. Five point five, I guess. Okay. Right. I mean like Great. from you I feel like that that that's Yeah. Okay. It's it's critical, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, it, it it's it's glass half full. Yeah. I would say. Okay. I guess that does it this week. Stacked episode. And Stacked. a reminder. And a <laughs> and a reminder. Thursday, September the twenty eighth. Wheelins Woo oh, No Encore Live Two. Overhead the, excited, um, already? Overhead the Albatross, Overhead the Dahi, Elaine May. Yeah, Cullum was like a kid at Christmas at the last show. Yeah. Yeah. So look forward to that happening again. Yeah. Please come. I don't even know if I'm going to have a screen. I'm still going to make a slideshow.
4: I think your first comment was, I'm playing Wayland. <laughs> 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 Can you believe it, Ma? <laughs>
3: okay, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Eve. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Craig. Thank you, Cullum. Uh, to close out this week, well, it's got to be Lincoln Park, doesn't it? And we went back and forth on what song we should play. And we, we let the almighty Joe Panama decide. <laughs> we figured we should have a track off Hybrid Theory. After my initial suggestion of a latter era cut, which you thought don't was... Don't do this, don't do this. I'm going to say what it was, but you were like, it's like a Backstreet Boys song, man.
4: It was one of their later songs. I okay. mean, I'm not going to say I listened to all of their catalogue, you know, until the end. But um, I think Joe Panama has always made a wise choice. He did. I thought it
3: was poignant, but this is even more poignant. And it captures the raw power of Chester Bennington. This song is called Pushing Me Away. The band in Lincoln Park, the man was Chester Bennington. My name is Dave Hanredy. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. It will be back next week, and we'll see you in September.
2: Hollow.
0: Is part of the Head Stuff
6: Podcast Network.
0: The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.